بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول کریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا ایتھ آف فیبروری ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موو of the eminent companion Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu and I've reached a point the heart-wrenching incident in which the beloved grandson of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has been brutally martyred and his blessed head was taken off his shoulders so the next section entitled Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu seeing the blessed decapitated head of the illustrious grandson of our beloved messenger so it is here that the blessed name of Sayyidina Anas emerges once more in Sayyid Bukhari number 3748 Ahmad in his Musnad number 13337 Mishkat number 6179 Al-Bidai Sayyidina Anas he relates himself the head of Hussein radiyallahu was brought to Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad and was placed on a dish. He, i.e. the wretch that he was, began to tap it, i.e. with the stick he had with him at the time. He thereupon said something about his beauty. Thus I said in anguish, Wallahi, innahu kana ashbahahum bi Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, verily he had the closest resemblance to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He radiyallahu anhu was also dyed with indigo. So let's look at this. So this is recorded in Sayyid Bukhari. So like I mentioned, his head was taken off his blessed shoulders radiyallahu and he was brought to the governor of Kufa, Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad. And he had a stick with him and he was basically poking the blessed head of Hussein radiyallahu and he admired the beauty. So Anas was there and he was so grieved. He goes, Wallahi, innahu kana ashbahahum bi Rasulullah. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, verily he had the closest resemblance to Rasulullah. And then he mentioned that his He was dyed with indigo. So other reports are details. In Tirmidhi number 3778, Sahih Hassan Gharib, Mishkat number 6179, Anas radiyallahu, he relates, I was with Ibn Ziyad when the head of Hussein radiyallahu was brought to him. He thereupon tapped his nose with his stick repeatedly saying, I have not seen anyone resemble this one in beauty. I thereupon said in anguish, Verily indeed, he resembled most Rasulullah. So here another details added, he was tapping his nose and he goes, I've not seen anybody more handsome than this one. So what did Anas say? Anas said, 
he was the most closely resembled to the Prophet than anybody. So why was he saying that? He was basically telling Ubaidullah, it's like you're poking the face of Rasulullah himself. In another report, Anas radiyallahu he related, when Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad began to poke his stick in the eyes and the nose of Hussein, I said in anguish, put away your stick. Indeed, I have seen no other than Rasulullah place his mouth at these places where you are now poking. This made Ubaidullah feel uneasy. This is in Tabarani, Bazar, Al-Haytami, and Majma Al-Zawaid, 9-195, states Hassan, Al-Bidaya, Mazari-i-Haq, number 6,179. So note another narration as further details. So he was poking his blessed head on the eyes and the nose. And Anas rebuked him. He goes, put away your stick. He goes, those very places that you are touching is where I saw Rasulullah place his mouth. Meaning he kissed his grandson on his eyes and his nose. And then look how interesting. Ubaidullah became uneasy. So what's interesting about that? Because he had no idea about the rank and the value of the companions and family of the Prophet. So when Anas was telling him, he was getting more worried. In another report, Anas said, Radhi Allah, the places that you put your stick on, I have, I have seen Rasulullah kiss them. That Allah Upon this, Ibn Ziyad put away his stick. This is in Bazar and Mazayri Ihaq, number 6179. So now, why was the head brought back to Ubaidullah Ibn Ziyad? So this was obviously a kind of a sign that he'd been victorious. But who was there? Anas. So people posed the question, what was Anas doing there? So obviously Anas was keeping out of the fitna. He was around 71 years old at the time. And when he told Ubaidullah, I've seen Rasulullah kiss these eyes and this nose, he was relating something which he saw over half a century earlier, 55 years or so earlier. So obviously Ubaidullah, he had no idea. So what he was telling him was, he goes, Rasulullah was kissing those places and you're poking them as if to say you're doing the exact opposite of what the Prophet was doing. So he was very subtly getting across to the governor. He goes, this is a very, very bad situation you found yourself in. And he also shows the bravery of us. He just spoke out against the governor. He didn't hide back. So now what happened to this person? Sheikh Nawab Qutbuddin Khan Dahlawi Rahmatullah elucidated in his Mazari Ihaq number 6179. Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad was Kufa's governor for Yazid ibn Muawiyah. He had them, meaning Sayyidina Hussein, radiallahu his relatives and companions killed mercilessly and made fun disdainfully of his head. This was enough proof of his callousness and hard-heartedness. Then he was subject to nature's retaliation. In 66 A.H., i.e. just five years after the tragedy at Karbala, in the time of Mukhtar ibn Abu Ubid, who had now assumed governorship of Kufa, he was consigned to death with many of his associates at Mosul at the hands of Ibrahim ibn Malik al-Ashtar. 
to stopping the court. So Sheikh Nawab Qutbuddin Khan Dahlawi, he wrote a commentary of Mishkat called Mazari Ihaq, and he's mentioning briefly what happened to this shaitan. And he goes, just five years after that incident, he met his death. And who was the one who was the governor at the time? It was Mukhtar the liar, mm-hmm. who later proclaimed that he was getting revelation. So Allah Ta'ala even used a shaitan to get rid of him. And who was the one at whose hands he was killed? It was Malik al-Ashtar's son. So Malik was another shaitan. His son, Allah Alim, and he was killed. Then he quotes a report. And this is recorded in Tirmidhi and Al-Bidayah. Ammara ibn Umar, he said, In the battlefield, the heads of Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad and his associates were severed from their bodies and were then brought back to the Jami Masjid of Kufa. I was there on the platform of the Masjid. Ibn Ziyad's head was lying there. Suddenly the people began to shriek and they said, It has come, it has come. Subhanallah, I thereupon saw a snake slither towards the head and quickly go into his nostril and it disappeared. But then Subhanallah, it emerged and it slithered away. Then after a while, a clamor arose again and the snake had returned and slithered once more into the nostril. This strange scene occurred twice or thrice. So what's happened? So this is recorded in Tirmidhi. So look how interesting. The blessed head of Hussein was brought to obey the Allah ibn Ziyad. And now five years later, his head is brought. So when his head is brought, there was something completely strange taking place. This strange snake emerged. And he went straight for his head. So don't forget, his head is still, you know, flesh, bones, eyes, whatever. And the snake, the people recalled back from it. And the people said, it's come, it's come. And what did they mean by that? They meant retaliation. Mm-hmm. And then it goes, it went around his head and it disappeared into his nostril. And then it emerged and it left. And then after a short while, it came back. Did the same and this happened two or three times. So why was this happening? Because Allah the Almighty and Glorious was showing how angry he was. And he was showing to the living, which is rare, what's going to happen to this wretch. So the people witnessed this. And Sheikh Nawab Qutbuddin said this was the just desert for a truly most unfortunate soul. Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserves us from all deviation and misguidance. Amin. So, what else happened to the blessed head? So the other thing to important to highlight is that the female members of the family of the Prophet, they were taken as captives. So they were brought in chains or tied to Kufa. And then Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad, he gave orders to take them to Yazid, I in Damascus. So what seems apparent is the blessed head of Hussein was also taken, I back to Damascus. With his sisters and his family members, i.e. the females. And then only in Damascus did Yazid show sympathy. And he started showing affection towards the family of the Prophet But it was too late. Right? The disaster had taken place. So the next section entitled, 
the aftermath of the massacre, the martyrdom of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa beloved grandson and family members sent horrific shockwaves around the entire Islamic world. Yazid the Khalif was dumbfounded. He had not given orders to kill. In Al-Bidayah, volume 8, page 191, Hisham alayhi said, when the head of Imam Hussein was brought before Yazid, his eyes fell with tears. He said to his courtiers in anger, I would not have admonished you if you had not killed Hussein. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala curse the son of Sumayyah. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, had I been there, I would have forgiven him. So the heads brought and obeyed the last thinking. He's going to get a big, you know, prize for what he'd done. When the blessed head came into the Khalif's courtroom, he grieved and he was weeping. And then he cursed Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad, he was the son of Sumayyah. He goes, I would not have said anything if they had not killed Hussein. In other words, I'm not happy about this at all. And then he says, if I was in his place, I would have forgiven him, let alone strike him. Another report in Al-Bidayah, volume 8, page 171, a freed slave of Muawiyah relates, when the head of Imam Hussain was placed before Yazid, I heard him say while sobbing, had there been a kinship between Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad and Hussain, he would not have ordered this barbaric act. So he's explaining. So Yazid, he said, because he wasn't closely related to Hussein. If he was, he would never have done this. But of course, Yazid was. Yazid was from Banu Umayyah. And Hussein was from Banu Hashim. And they were obviously from the Quraysh, the hierarchy of the Quraysh. And he goes, this is another reason why he showed no pity. Because he had no relationship with Hussein. In Al-Bidayah, in the chapter upon entering the 61st year of the Hijrah, Hafiz ibn Kathir, he said, Yazid then ordered Nu'man ibn Bashir to send a trustworthy man to accompany the women and Hussein's younger son, Ali ibn Hussein, on their journey back to Al-Madinah and to assign guards and horsemen for their protection. So what's happened? Yazid's obviously trying his best to make amends, but what can he do? You know, the family of the Prophet has been massacred. So he tells one of the companions, Nu'man ibn Bashir. So he was the nephew of Abdullah ibn Rawah, very famous companion. And he told Nu'man, he goes, send a trustworthy man to accompany the blessed women and the younger son of Hussein, Zain al-Abidin, back to Al-Madinah and assigned guards and horsemen for their protection. The women were then taken to Yazid's Hatim. So what's this? This is the private quarters for the women. Situated in the dwelling of the Khalif, where they were received by the women of Muawiyah's family, who wept profusely and grieved over Hussein. So what happened? The women, the family of the Prophet they were taken to Yazid's private quarters, where his family was. And the women then started to weep, grieve over Hussein. Mm-hmm. They stayed there for a period of three days, during which Yazid would eat near the dinner or supper, except in the company of Ali ibn Hussein and his brother Amr ibn Hussein. So Yazid 
he was basically trying to show honor to the family of the Prophet and he refused to eat unless the son of Hussein was very young and his brother Amr were with him. Yazid then provided them with provisions by giving them a generous amount of money as well as clothing before sending them away under the protection of his ambassador. So now why am I relating all this? Because people don't hear anything about Yazid except negatives. He did this and he did that. And then you think, well, did he do any good? And if you look at what I've mentioned and look at the reference I've given, you realize that this needs to be mentioned. So what impression do you get of him? You get the impression he had nothing to do with this. He didn't give orders. He was really upset. He honored the family of the Prophet. And he actually mentioned why Ubaidullah did what he did. So now, who could know Yazid better than Hussein's brother? So Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiyah, what did he say about Yazid? So this is recorded in Al-Bidayah 8-236. It mentions, when the people of Al-Madinah returned from Yazid, Abdullah ibn Muti'ah and his companions walked to Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiyah, they wanted Muhammad rahmatullahi, to agree to dismiss Yazid. But Muhammad flatly refused. So stopping the report. So what's happened? People were now wanting to revolt against the Khalif Yazid. So they wanted somebody of high rank to take that position. So they approached Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiyah. The one who warned his brother not to go. And he flatly refused. He goes, no. He goes, no breaking the pledge. Ibn Muti'a thereupon said, Yazid drinks alcohol. He doesn't pray salat. He ignores the rules of the Quran. Muhammad answered them. I never saw what you were saying about him. I came to him. I stayed with him for a while. I saw him taking care of Salah, looking for goodness, asking about jurisprudence, clinging to the Sunnah. Stop. <laughs> so who's described him in a bad light? Tom, Dick and Harry. Who's described him in a good light? Ahl al-Bayt. Hussein's brother. They answered, he was just acting like that in your presence. He deceived you. Muhammad Rahmatullah said, what fear did he have from me that he should show piety to me? Similarly, did he show to yourselves that he was taking alcohol? If he did, you are his partners. And if you did not, it is unlawful for you to testify to what you did not see. Class. He goes, you said he drank. Did you see it? That means you're also going to get punished. If you didn't see it, why are you talking without knowledge? They answered, it is the truth, even if we didn't see it. Muhammad angrily responded, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refuses that. I have nothing to do with you anymore. Just keep away from me. So what now is being mentioned? He warned his brother Hussein, these people are going to kill you to get their needs fulfilled. Now they've approached him. Imagine. So he says, get away, leave me alone. And they started slandering Yazid. And he just said what he knew about. So the way I look at it is, 
No point getting emotional, brother. We came 2,500 years after the incident. What do you know about Yazid? <laughs> so let's go to the people who we know are rock, rock solid and trustworthy. Do you know better than Ali Sun, the brother of the one who was martyred? And if you think you do, then who really is honoring the family of the Prophet? And if you believe what you believe, you're following the ones he negated. Subhanallah. Hafiz ibn Kathir, what did he say about Yazid? In Al-Bidayah 8-230. Oh, Yazid had virtues. He was shrewd. Magnanimous, considered, a fluent speaker, a poet, brave, shrewd, handsome and courteous. At the same time, he was inclined to laxity and enjoyment. <laughs> so what did uh, Hafiz Ibn Kathir say? <laughs> he basically described him as a perfect ruler. <laughs> because he had all noble qualities. But he said, but he had a weakness. He did enjoy some of the fineries of life. <laughs> He didn't indulge in that. Those keeping these facts and figures in mind, it would hardly be feasible to erroneously deduce that the Khalif Yazid had given orders to kill the venerable family members of Rasulullah. So this is how the scholarly discussion gives you towards. However, now, this is why it's so important to authenticate history. It is stated particularly in Ibn al-Atir, in his Al-Qam al-Tabari, in his Tariq, that Yazid had given orders to kill Hussein, or was at least pleased upon his death. But they all suffer from grave weaknesses or weakness in their chains of transmission. So like I mentioned again and again, if you want to find your version of history, you'll find it. Because there's all sorts in history. And guess what? If you want to find Yazid gave orders, you'll find it. If you want to find that he didn't give orders but he was happy over it, you'll find it. But we're not following our hawa. You want to know the truth. So where are these reports? And they mentioned the references. Are they authentic? The scholars say no, they're not authentic. They're either fabricated or they've got some serious problems in their chains of transmission. That's leaving aside the contradiction of the authentic report. Hence, one certainly cannot say this with any certainty. It is thus better to err on the side of caution, as is but obvious. And Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So when it comes to Hussein's martyrdom, Yazid is probably the least blameworthy in this area. But of course, like I mentioned, he didn't dismiss Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad. So that is a problem. However, to put him at the level of Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad and the Kufans is simply an injustice. And yes, you'll find the reports in the books of history under the Wafid Haf and they'll promote it. But the tragedy is we propagate it as well. And the other glaring thing to point out is whose son was he? As a Muawiyah. And Muawiyah knew everything in the Islamic world. He was a master politician and he didn't know his son. You know, that's another unbelievable statement you're coming out with. He knew everybody. He knew inside out. He was known for his political brilliance. He didn't know his son. And then you go, well, he had a soft spot for him. So he overlooked it. Now you're slandering Muawiyah. So note, 
all of this is so dangerous, especially when it comes to the companions of the Prophet. And whatever the case, we have to be just. And also, to mention other things about Yazid, if you look at the fabrication, because he was a homosexual. It says that in the fabricated reports. Because he used to, you know, you can't even mention what, you, what they accuse him of. Because he was an apostate. He wasn't really a Muslim. And all of that, you think, well, you knew better than Muawiyah. <laughs> so note again, when it comes to Yazid, it's best just to keep quiet. And which illustrious personalities have remained silent about And this should be enough for anybody with a brain cell. But they haven't got brain cells. Imam Ahmed. And then you get people, Mulana Sahib. Where's Mulana Sahib popped out from? Imam Ahmed, right? He goes, don't speak ill of him. And Imam Ghazali. Hujjat al-Islam. So to me, it's like, well, that's it. Case closed. But unfortunately, people can't help it. But again, very important to highlight what happened after that. <coughs> he was certainly blameworthy. Because what happened after was, there was now the after effects of the martyrdom of Hussein. People started rebelling. And when they were rebelling, he had to send forces. That is, he was responsible for that. But that was the after effect. It wasn't the martyrdom of Imam Hussein. And all of this can be explained even with the Sharia angle as well, which we'll discuss briefly. So all I mentioned today was basically the great name of Anas emerges once more. And notice he was there and he witnessed the tragic scene where the blessed head of the beloved grandson was brought. And he, he was grieving too much and he rebuked Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad. And what's interesting is Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad listened to Anas, which is fascinating. So maybe some companions he had some respect for. And then I mentioned, of course, what happened to the shaitan Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad. I'll mention it briefly. What's interesting is many heads started coming to Kufa. So the first head was Hussein. Five, six years later, Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad's head came. Then, Mukhta, his head came. Because Musab took over. Musab, uh, the son of Zubair. So, Mukhta's head came to Kufa. Then, Musab was martyred. His head came to Kufa. So, what's happening? You know, it's in Kufa. Heads just keep coming. And then you realize all of this was to do with the politics. And that's why Allah kept the family of the Prophet away from this. So, Allah but notice how history replays itself, you know, subhanAllah. Mm. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi ismarqallahum wa bihamdi ka ishtu la ilahi illa anta astafarika atubu alayka wa di billahi minash shaitan jim. Subhanallah rabbika rabbil izzat amma yasifun. Assalamu alayna al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Wal-asr in the sand of you khusr. Ladina amin wa amilu salihan. Wa rawasim al-haq. Wa rawasim al-sabr. Sadaqallahu al-azim.